This episode of Case Acquaint contains material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello there. Welcome back to Case Acquaint. You have found episode 36. Today's story comes to you from Pennsylvania, and police are looking for a person who suspiciously disappeared back in April of 2018. Due to the circumstances of the disappearance, foul play was suspected immediately, and since that very day, her loved ones have been understandably distraught. They're hoping someone will step forward with information. This is the story of the disappearance of Cassandra Gross. Cassandra Gross was, at the time of her disappearance, a 51-year-old divorced mother of one, living alone in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Latrobe is a pretty small city. It has about 8,000 people. It's located in Westmoreland County, and it's right outside the county seat of Greenburg. And it's only about an hour away from Pittsburgh. It's a nice little town that happens to be near lots of amenities that bigger cities offer. Cassandra lived in Latrobe in an apartment at the Edgewater Village Complex. Her son, who was 29 years old at the time, lives out of state, but she had just visited him the week before. Her mom and dad live in the same area, which Cassandra seems to have spent most of her life in and around Westmoreland County. She shared her townhome with her very much loved dog named Baxter. Now, she never left Baxter for long because he's diabetic and he's blind. He's a cute little dog. On Saturday, April 7th, Cassandra drove to Greensburg to meet a friend for lunch. During that lunch date, Cassandra's friend asked her about the guy who'd been harassing her lately. But Cassandra changed the subject, didn't really want to talk about it. She spent a couple hours with her friend, then she headed back home. On her way, Cassandra called her mom. The time was 3.35 p.m. She made plans to see her mom and dad the next day, Sunday, and she told her mom, I'm home, I'll see you tomorrow, I love you. And that was the last time Kathy Gross spoke with her daughter. On Sunday, April 8th, Kathy tried to get a hold of her, but Cassandra's phone didn't seem to be working. On Monday morning, Kathy expected a phone call from Cassandra during her daily hour-long commute to her administrative job near Pittsburgh, but she never received that call. Now, during the work week, Cassandra's dad, Harry, would go over to her apartment twice a day at 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m. to let Baxter out. When he went over there at 10 a.m., as usual, Baxter was nowhere to be found. That is when Kathy Gross called the police to report her daughter missing. At 2 p.m., they both went back over to Cassandra's apartment, and still no Baxter and no Cassandra. By this time, they found out she hadn't shown up for work that day. Then, poor little Baxter was found wandering blindly by himself along a busy road a few miles away. Thankfully, he was picked up, 
but by that time he was developing an eye infection and he was going to need to go to the vet. At that point, with the shape Baxter was in, him having been found alone, the police decided to take the grosses a little more seriously. On Tuesday, April 10th, there was no ignoring the urgency of Cassandra's disappearance. The Pennsylvania State Police put out a release asking for anyone to come forward if they noticed her SUV anywhere, and they provided a description of it and Cassandra. However, later on that day, Cassandra's red 2016 Mitsubishi Outlander Sport was reported by a railroad worker, abandoned and burned up along some train tracks near Twin Lakes Park. So at this point, in terms of locations, we have Cassandra's apartment at one end of the area of interest here, Baxter being found a few miles from there, and then we have Twin Lakes Park. There's a map with these points on our website if you want to go check it out, caseacquaint.com. Baxter was found about halfway between Cassandra's apartment and this Twin Lakes Park Railroad location. So of course, with both of these occurrences, nobody could deny Cassandra's disappearance was suspicious. She would not have left her dog, she wouldn't have burned up her own car, and she wouldn't have gone anywhere without letting someone know. So as the investigation got started, police tried to find out, was there anyone Cassandra knew who might be of interest here? Her family had a name. There was a man, they said, who'd been stalking and harassing Cassandra. She was so scared of him, according to Kathy, that she felt that if she tried to get an order of protection, that would put her in even more danger. Kathy said that this man had threatened Cassandra telling her that he had a hit list, and if she didn't do what he wanted, she'd be on that hit list. Cassandra's neighbors have told the media that they witnessed this man would show up at her apartment and try to look inside. How intimidating would that be? If you have somebody doing that and you're too petrified to call the cops, what else can you do? Now, it wasn't just relationship problems that Cassandra had with one Thomas Stanko. Stanko has a long and violent history we're going to get into in just a few minutes, and Cassandra, unfortunately, was witness to some violence involving him. So there would be motive to either make sure Cassandra did what he wanted, or to make sure she couldn't testify to anything he didn't want her to. Thomas Stanko is no Boy Scout. Cassandra's family says that she wasn't serious about him, ever, and when she realized he was trouble, she wanted nothing to do with him. But she wanted to safely ease herself out of the relationship. On the contrary, Stanko's attorney has called him Cassandra's boyfriend. So I guess it seems to us that it might have been a time of transition. It seems like maybe there was a brief relationship, and Cassandra might have decided recently that she had wanted to distance herself in a non-threatening way, but perhaps that was proving to create more difficulties than she would have liked. Stanko admits that they had exchanged some text messages that Saturday. We don't know to what effect. And of course, the police aren't talking. 
but it can be assumed that the reason he admits it is because the police question him about it after finding evidence of such themselves. Of note is that Cassandra's cell phone and laptop are both also missing. The Pennsylvania State Police has been handling this investigation from the start. They didn't waste a whole lot of time waiting to try to gather evidence since they knew full well Cassandra most likely disappeared on Saturday after 3.30 p.m. After the SUV was found, they officially opened a criminal investigation, and that was announced on Wednesday. By Thursday, police served search warrants on Thomas Stanko's Latrobe property. So they searched a double-wide trailer, uh, the land surrounding it, and they had some cadaver dogs out there to look for her. They sifted through a burn barrel they found on the property. By this point, Stanko had his attorney speaking for him, and the attorney admitted Stanko is a person of interest and said that would only be natural. Friday, police searched a pond, which is located near property owned by Stanko's mother, Almira, along White Fence Lane in Unity Township. They had divers out there. This house sits right next to Unity Cemetery, which that was also searched. And they searched the area in which Cassandra's SUV was found, near Twin Lakes Park. In the process of all these searches, the police found evidence of other occurrences that were about to cause Thomas Stanko more problems. First of all, on his mom's property, they found a stolen ATV. They have trail cams that show Stanko riding around on this particular ATV. So for that, he ended up getting charged with receiving stolen property. Over the next couple days, they also charged him with unlawful possession of a firearm. There were over two dozen firearms found at his mom's house, and preliminary reports were that two may have been stolen. Stanko's father was a gun enthusiast, so his mom still owning those guns shouldn't be a problem unless Stanko lived with her and he had access to them. So, well, Stanko's mom told police that he lives with her part-time, he has a key to her house, and police found guns in almost every room of that house. Now, we mentioned Stanko's criminal history. He's got a checkered past, there's no doubt about it. In 1993, he was charged with shooting at a former state trooper's home and car in La Trobe. Then in 1995, he pleaded guilty to retaliation and intimidation against a witness, presumably for that case. From then on, he's been barred from owning or possessing firearms. He also was sentenced up to 29 months in prison and four years of probation for that. That was in 1995. Then in September of 2015, he was charged with simple assault and reckless endangerment when he confronted some people who were attending a midnight vigil at the cemetery near his mom's house. The victims told police that he pointed a big silver gun at them. Well, Stanko denied that, and there is good reason to deny it because he can't possess firearms. There was clear evidence, though, that he had punched the window of their car and he had cuts and blood on his hands. Police found a loaded 9mm handgun in the console of the car he was in. He got an attorney for that case and was able to negotiate a sentence of between 11 and 23 months in prison 
plus probation. He ended up only serving nine months, and then he was given house arrest. Stanko also had a DUI conviction, and he was on probation for that. He's supposed to be using an ignition interlock device on his car. In July of 2017, on the day Stanko's house arrest ended, he picked up another charge. This was for an alleged attack on another man outside a bar. It's reported that he was charged with simple assault for knocking out a bunch of the victim's teeth. Since then, he had been free on a $500 unsecured bond. Now, that night, Cassandra Gross was present, and she was a witness to what happened. This is going to come up again, but now we're going to go back to the investigation into her disappearance. Stanko was arrested and charged with possession of stolen property and another set of charges relating to those firearms. He was held in jail, and the police continued to search for evidence in the missing persons case. Family, friends, and supporters gathered for a candlelight vigil at Legion Keener Park in La Trobe on May 12th. They also planned to search themselves, which the state police didn't seem too happy about, but they didn't tell them they couldn't. They said to the press, We are absolutely still looking for Ms. Gross. Our investigators eat, sleep, and breathe her disappearance. On May 16th, Stanko's family brought $25,000 in cash for a bond to the court. But he was still held due to his probation and parole revocation arrest and that hearing wasn't scheduled to happen until May 24th. So honestly, he turned himself in on April 13th, but then his family showed up with cash to try to bond him out on May 16th, even though he only has about a week before this hearing. Why would they come up with that kind of money just to get him out for a week? What on earth was so important to him that he would need to be out for just a week? That's what we'd like to know. At the hearing on May 24th, he was found to be in violation of parole. You know, when someone's on probation or parole, they're directed by the court to obey all laws. And of course, there are always more directions, but that's number one. If you don't obey all laws, or if there's any evidence that you aren't, that means you may be in violation of your grant, and it can be revoked. So now there's a chance he has time that he needs to do. Plus, he's looking at charges of possessing that ATV. He's got the new assault at the bar that still hasn't been addressed, and whatever else they're charging him with. But at this point, on May 24th, it started looking like he might be spending the next year in prison. Now... Stanko's attorney contended at the time of the revocation that he couldn't figure out why the police would be, as he put it, wrapping all this together. The attorney asked, why would he want Cassandra to disappear? On June 25th, the state police and a task force of partnering organizations searched at the Unity Cemetery looking for any sign of Cassandra having been present there. They utilized the expertise of rapid response services from Ohio, Westmoreland County Fire and Rescue, and another organization called 211 Ref Terrain Fire and Rescue. 
they used a mobile command post provided by Christian Aid Ministries. They told the media that they had specific reasons for going back to that location for a search, but they couldn't say what those reasons were. Stanko was back before a judge on July 17th for a hearing about his revoked probation and parole grant relating to the Unity Cemetery incident, in which he, as a person barred from possessing a firearm, pointed a loaded 9mm gun at a car full of mourners and cut up his hand trying to punch the window glass in the car. The assistant district attorney requested that he spend 5 to 10 years in prison, but a new attorney for Stanko, Dante Bertani, said he should never have been allowed to plead guilty for that original charge. Like a good defense attorney would do, he didn't say why. But if you're actually guilty of something, shouldn't you face the consequences of that? The attorney also challenged the pending charges that stemmed from the bar fight Cassandra's mom says she was being threatened over. Bertani read a statement that Cassandra had written out at some point referring to Stanko as her boyfriend and allegedly saying that he didn't throw the first punch. Cassandra's mom says she wrote that under duress from threats by Stanko. And then the district attorney stated that the written statement even conflicted with Stanko's own account of those events and that he, the district attorney, brought that to Cassandra's attention. Her mom said that Cassandra decided she wasn't going to go through with perjuring herself at the upcoming hearing. And according to her mom, she knew there was grave threat involved with not lying. But Cassandra Gross did not want to lie in court. We can't forget, Stanko's a person who's already been convicted of intimidating witnesses in the past. We don't even need to ask Kathy Gross about that. It's in his criminal history. Seems like his entire history as a criminal is either stealing or physically threatening and assaulting people who don't do what he wants them to do. It was ordered that now Stanko would serve two to four additional years in prison for the Unity Cemetery incident in addition to the original total 23-month jail sentence. The judge also added two years of probation after release. Stanko still needs to appear in court to plead on charges of violating terms of his drunk driving probation. He's already admitted that, but now he'll need to plead guilty to move forward. Meanwhile, police haven't stopped their searches just yet. On July 20th, they were back at the Unity Cemetery searching again, and Cassandra's son released a video pleading with the public to come forward with information. We'll post a link in the notes if you're interested in hearing it. By July 26th, the family was offering a $10,000 reward for information leading to Cassandra's whereabouts. They're asking that tips be directed to them at 724-539-9553. Those tips would be passed along to the police. They have a flyer that can be shared and printed as well. Stanko, not being happy with his four-or-so-year sentence, filed an appeal on August 7th, in which he said a judge violated his constitutional rights when he ruled that allegations of his bar fight assault warranted a return to jail. He said his probation revocation was based solely on those allegations of assault. 
But the defense ignored the other aspects of his terms of probation and parole, such as obey all laws. He can be held for probation revocation if he's been arrested for another crime. It's really up to the judge. He's still awaiting trial for the ATV, for violating the terms of his drunk driving probation, for not using his ignition interlock device, and for punching the guy's teeth out at that Youngstown bar. There's little doubt he'll escape with acquittal on any of these charges since they have evidence to back them all up. The firearms charges related to all the guns found in his mom's house were dropped. So this isn't a case that's been resolved, but police are working feverishly to gather evidence, and you really cannot blame them for charging him with the new crimes if they came across that evidence during a different investigation. We don't want this episode to be more about anyone else than Cassandra, but the truth is, the Stanko aspect of this story is complicated, and the Stanko aspect of Cassandra's life appears to have caused more complications than we may ever know. Kathy was interviewed about Cassandra's disappearance by the Tribune Review, which, by the way, is our source for much of the information in this case. They've been following it from the beginning, and the articles and reports have all been super factual and in-depth. Sometimes media, in their quest to have a good relationship with the public agencies and departments, only say what they're told to say. But this particular media outlet goes out and interviews as many people as they can, which is why we're able to find so many great articles about this case. Anyway, Kathy has spoken with them several times, and in this particular interview, she said that one day on her way home from work, Cassandra called her and said that Stanko was following her and almost hitting her. Kathy said, come over here. And so Cassandra did. Kathy says that she came outside with a baseball bat. She says, quote, he cursed me because he can't stand a woman standing up to him. She also said that a maintenance man had to disconnect Cassandra's doorbell because Stanko would go over to her apartment and, quote, lay on the doorbell. Cassandra Gross was 51 when she went missing, and she's now 52 years old. She's 5'6", weighs 157 pounds, and has blue eyes and blonde hair. When she was last seen, she was wearing a white and black turtleneck sweater, blue jeans, and knee-high boots. She carried a beige coach purse. Kathy wears glasses or contacts. She has a tattoo of a butterfly on her hip, and both of her ears are pierced. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Cassandra Gross, please call 724-539-9553. There are a couple of GoFundMes that have been set up. We're going to provide some links in the show notes or head over to our website, casequaint.com. It looks like both campaigns have similar goals. One is for helping to fund the reward on behalf of Kathy Gross by a friend of the family. And they're planning on using that money towards not only a reward, but also searching and for taking care of Baxter, who, as we mentioned, is a special needs dog. Baxter has to have insulin, he's blind, and that can get pretty expensive. Also, Baxter had to have an eye removed after he got thrown on the side of the road. 
There's another GoFundMe by a family friend who started a campaign on behalf of Cassandra's son, who you'll remember lives out of state, and who is also desperate to find her, of course. I can't imagine it'd be easy for him to go back and forth for court and meetings with detectives, so they could use all the help they can get. Like I said, they offered the $10,000 reward before any campaigns were started, so there are a lot of sacrifices being made. If you'd like to help and you want to follow this case, check out those GoFundMe campaigns. As usual, we'll try to keep you all updated on the progress police make in this sad disappearance. Try to stay safe out there. If you think you may be involved in an abusive relationship, reach out to someone for help. You can call 1-800-799-7233, or you can find a link to some resources in the show notes. Finally, if you get a chance to subscribe, rate, review, like, and share, please consider doing that for us so we can keep this show available to you and continue to advocate for those cases which are not getting enough attention. If you like this podcast, we need your help to enlarge the audience of listeners. Don't forget, if you have a case you'd like to hear about or suggest, you can complete a submission form at our website, caseacquaint.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.